BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Spring deals at Ross will have you saying, it's a yes for me. Say yes to trending looks like tube tops, dad shorts, and miniskirts for less than online, or vintage tees and beach shorts for a weekend getaway. With all the styles to choose from, there's a yes around every corner. Because saving money and looking good is what you do. It's a yes for you and your bank account. Hit up Ross for your certified yes for me moment. Unconsciously for four years, I literally did a total of four interviews in four years. (laughs) But at the same point too, I had to create these boundaries that allowed me to not get shiny object syndrome or be apologetic about saying no because the yeses I were saying was the right yeses. They were the yeses that really allowed me to live out the things that I say were important to me. And I think that a lot of times right now in the world, women especially are waiting for somebody to give them their big break. It's like we're moving through life waiting for that invitation that will be the opportunity that changes everything for us. When in reality, we need to really understand and acknowledge that we've gotten ourselves this far. We can carry ourselves forward. And whatever your faith is or whatever that looks like for you, like God is going to open the right doors. Like you just have to walk through them. You're listening to She with Jordan Lee Dooley, a personal development podcast for the everyday woman. Come invited, leave ignited. Here's your host, Jordan Lee Dooley. Jenna, welcome to She. I think this is your first time on the show, isn't it? It is because I have not done any interviews for the last four years. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Well, this is really fun then. I feel really excited. I am so thankful that you're here. I absolutely, I, I, like to everyone who's listening, I just want you guys to know like Jenna has been such a voice in my life through the last few years that many of you have watched me walk. But Jenna, before we dig into all the things, I would love if you just share a little bit of your heart and your background And I know you just are in the process of releasing a new book, which is so exciting. And I've loved walking it with you. But before we dig into all the things about that, can you just tell me a little recap of the last several years and what led to writing this book? Yeah. So I am an example of over decade success, not overnight success. (laughs) What you see today is a reflection of a decade of pursuing dreams and experimenting and trying and failing and pivoting and all of the things. Mm -hmm. And my journey in a career sense started when I was 23, straight out the gates of college, landed the corporate America dream job and hated it and felt just this ping this calling of like, there's got to be something more. I can't do this for the rest of my life. And I was a first generation entrepreneur. So I had no examples of entrepreneurship in my life, but I just had this 
desire to figure out how I could do things in my own way and on my own terms. And Mm -hmm. so I knew what I didn't want, but I wasn't sure what I wanted. I knew I didn't want the windowless office and the five-year plan. I knew I didn't want more responsibility, even if it meant more salary. And so I ended up buying a camera on Craigslist and that became my vehicle out of corporate America. And I started my business as a wedding photographer and taught myself everything. And Over the last several years, I shot weddings for seven years. I was named the top Wisconsin wedding photographer for four years straight. I built a really successful business. But again, I felt myself at this crossroads of like, is this it? And I think my whole journey has just been staying in a line to that little whisper that, you know, call it what you will, God, your intuition, Mm -hmm. your gut, whatever it is of there's got to be something different or I've got to go a different way. And so today you'll find me hosting the Gold Digger podcast. I recently wrote a book called How Are You Really? Which, Jord, you have literally walked through the entire (laughs) process of that with me. And um, it's been so fun. And I'm a mom of two beautiful girls and have shared a very similar experience to Jordan in that pursuit of growing and starting my family. And so Yeah, I most days will just find me hanging in Minnesota and doing the (laughs) juggle that I once prayed for and doing my best to impact the world, starting inside of my home, but venturing outside of my home, usually through the internet. Mm -hmm. Yep, same. (laughs) That's great. (laughs) It's the best way to venture outside the home. I love it. I I really, you know, I you mentioned a couple things, and I think the first thing I want to touch on is let's just for listeners who may not know anything about you, which I would be shocked. I don't know. They must be living under a rock. But for anyone who may not know a little bit of your story, I want to just give a quick recap, if that's okay with you, for those kind of to know where this connection point is. So for those who are listening, Jenna and I really connected more. I mean, we connected, what was that, 2018 maybe at that event? We we met at an event and then really connected in 2020 when I walked through both of my pregnancy losses. And Jenna's, I've I've been saying she's kind of like the big sister I never had from a distance um, in many ways, just because she's always been a couple years ahead, both professionally, but also in this journey I've kind of walked personally. And so it's interesting because as I was flipping through your book, Jenna, I feel like so much of the themes that come through are so many of the things that you've spoken into me or that I've had to kind of learn through my own season of perspective shifting loss and setbacks and things that just kind of make you pause and go, okay, wait, what's really right for me? You know, what really matters here? And I think a lot of those themes come through in your book as well. And so I really want to start at this place just for now that everyone has a little bit of context. I would love to talk about this idea of having it all because if someone were to look at you from the internet, or even look at my stuff. It's so easy to be like, oh my gosh, they've got the successful business and the podcast and like so many things that look like, wow, like you've really got it going on, right? But I feel like in so many ways, we've also both had this perspective shift that we've talked about in many private conversations of just what's enough, you know? Yeah. And and what why is that important to discuss and, and to really get clear on? And so I'd love to just talk about this idea of having it all because I think especially in the entrepreneur space, but just in general on the internet for women, like I feel like there's this subtle message of like, you can have it all, you can do it all. And I want to know what you think in terms of the problem with this line of thinking or trying mm-hmm. to live a life based on everything we think we're supposed to do. What are the pitfalls of that? And what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I I love this because I think it's a really big discussion. And this whole idea of having it all has to be rooted in the definition and how you define what all is. Mm -hmm. And 
you know, we've been sold a lot of ideas of what that could mean, whether it's the husband or the house or the babies or the outfits or the job or the career or whatever it is. But to me, having it all means feeling peace in all areas of my life. Mm -hmm. Like I have it all because I enjoy my life and I'm awake to that. And I don't dread the work I'm going to do. And I look forward to the moments I get to live and experience. And I recently was on a book club and uh, during COVID, I started a book club with a family we grew up with. And so it's the mom and the daughters and my mom and my sister and sister-in-law. And the older women, as in our mothers, were kind of saying, you know, is it possible these days to, you know, be a hands-on mom and have a career and have a great marriage? Like, this is the lie that you all are being sold. And you're being sold it daily, whether you're awake to it or not, through things like social media. And so they were saying, you know, is it possible? And I live in this space of like, I want to do both. Mm -hmm. And if somebody asks me, which is so funny because so many times now, because my book is titled, How Are You Really? I I get asked, how am I really? And (laughs) I am in a season of both. And it is the biggest blessing of my life, but it is also really challenging. And I try to describe it as like feeling stretched thin only because I love both things so much. It's a lot Mm. of love for somebody to carry the love of the work they do and the love of their children and the love of the act of motherhood. And so, Mm -hmm. yeah, I think it's really interesting. And I, I recently had this thought because a lot of times we're not awake to it, but When we scroll on social media, a lot of times we follow many different accounts. Um, We follow fashion people and we follow home people. We follow nutritional people. We follow business people. We follow all these people. Mm -hmm. And they're really good at that one thing. They're known and they show up in that one realm. But our brain doesn't recognize that. Our brain sees each of these people living out their best selves in that lane. And it tells us that we need to have all of those things, that if we don't have all those things, and if we're not careful, that notion of it all can really get convoluted into this idea of because this person is good at this and this other person is good at this and this third person is great at that, then I need to be all of those things in order to have it all. And I just don't think that's true. Yeah, it's so true. I think it really comes down to, I think what it sounds like you're saying is really defining what does all mean for me Mm -hmm. and how do I make sure that those areas that I've defined as important and priorities how do I make sure I feel peace in them? And, and, and I even love what you shared about this, this idea of doing both because I think your mom and I think, was it your friend's mom that you said? Yeah, yeah. You know, they, they bring up a good point. Like it, it is asking a lot to try to like do the juggle and all the things that women in the past didn't necessarily do to the same degree, you know, yes. but at the same time we have, I don't know if outlets is the right word, but the medium of the internet and ways that make that a little bit more doable in some ways, but that doesn't make it easy. And I'd be really curious, this is just kind of a random question that popped into my head, but in this conversation about having it all, I'd also be curious what your thought is on this word of balance. Because I think sometimes when we think someone's doing both, it means that they're able to give 100% to both or they're able to give 50-50, you know? And in my own experience, just from being pulled in different directions, like for me, it's been a season of like healing and health, but also still working. And so I've had to learn what does it look like to tend to both of those things? And there's, you know, I've had to kind of 
accept the fact that there's phases and seasons where in some seasons, one's going to get more of my energy, but that doesn't mean I'm completely abandoning the other. It's just not getting 100% of my energy or vice versa. But I'd be curious your thoughts on that because I think we hear this, okay, you can do both. And then it's like, what does that actually look like? Yes. Oh my gosh. Agreed. And I also think too, people paint really whimsical pictures of the both and I think that, you know, we've we've seen this in many different seasons of our life because we're multi-passionate people. <laughs> and we've yeah. tried this whole idea of balance for far too long. And what's fascinating is that if you look at the origin of the word balance, it's really talking about a moment. It's not something that is meant to be maintained. Balance is this moment in time where things are equal. And I have learned, just as you have learned, that it's really hard to get balance, but it's nearly impossible to maintain it. Mm -hmm. And I really love this idea of blend. How can I take these things in my life that I love? Where is it appropriate that I could blend them and do both things sometimes Mm -hmm. at the same time Mm -hmm. when life allows it? And how can I have this life where I can move through the different parts of my identity in a day-to-day basis, but also sometimes an hour-by-hour or minute-by-minute basis. And I recognize that this is also coming from a place of privilege in the sense of I am my own boss. I work from home. I manage my calendar. I have more opportunities for blend than a lot of other people do. But at the same point, I think it's really important to note that a lot of us have had this life experience where we walk through life with these different identities based on where we are or how we're showing up. And what I mean by this is we have become shapeshifters. So when we are in a career setting, we show up as a different version of ourselves than we are with our family, than we are with our friends, and we are at church, than we are, you know, in these different groups. And we have become people pleasers and shapeshifters. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of times that comes out of this place of empathy or trying to connect mm-hmm. or relate with people. But There's this line in my book that I really come home to because I think that right now in our world, we're just deeply desiring connection, but beyond that, we're deeply desiring being known. And the line is that loneliness isn't being in isolation. Loneliness is being in a room where we feel like people don't know who we truly are. Mm -hmm. And so this idea of blend gives us permission to wear the many hats that we wear, but to allow people into these different identities that we hold for ourselves in our life. And so for me, you know, even this morning I had a doctor's appointment with Quinn and then I had to quick feed her and get her down and jump onto interviews and then, you know, figure out, am I going to pump or feed or what does this look like and how can I do both things and maybe not do them perfectly, but do them well mm-hmm. um, and blend the identities that I choose and have to carry in my life right now and make it so that they can all coexist without feeling in competition with each other. Yeah. I love that replacing this idea of balance a little bit with this idea of blending because that that is really what it is. Things if you think about anything else in life, you know, I think a lot of times we think about this in the in the context of like family and career. But you think about literally anything else, everything else blends, you know? Like yes. Yeah. Every other area of our life kind of just all meshes together and it's like an ebb and flow. And sometimes yes. one gets a little more attention than the other, but that's a little bit more of a natural approach rather than this kind of idea that we're just gonna hold everything in this perfect balance. Yes. Amen. Amen. Uh, I love it. Okay. So this is kind of following up that this idea that we were talking about with just having it all and what that can look like in terms of blend versus balance. But, you know, I think even just going back to what we were touching on earlier, I kind of went in a random direction because I wanted your input on it. But 
this idea of defining what all looks like for you. I'd love to hear what your thoughts are because this is something I wrote about in Embrace Your Almost too, is just the importance of getting clear on what you want in a world that's constantly saying you should have it all or, you know, showing you what you could do or should be doing or whatever. I want to hear your thoughts on how do we figure out what we want for our life, not necessarily what society says we should want or maybe what others are doing or what others influence us to do or push us towards. I would be curious what your thoughts are and what does defining that even look like? Like, How do we get to that place where we define the things that we even want to be blending, the things that we really want to have peace in? Yeah. I tell this story in my book and you actually inspired a part of this as well because you have had a similar experience. But I tell this story in my book about how I went on this girl's trip with two incredible women entrepreneurs and I was pregnant with Coco and it was, you know, this three-year journey to finally be landing in a place where I could feel this little wiggly being inside of me Mm -hmm. and I was getting close to meeting her. And we were super ambitious women on a girl's trip talking about all the things that we were going to do and the ways we were going to take over the world. And I remember um, we were doing this exercise because, of course, we can't just be. And it was like, (laughs) you know, next time you see me, I'll have done or accomplished or achieved these things. And I remember sitting there with my hands on my belly and just feeling like, you know, next time you see me, like, I hope I just embody motherhood and not miss Mm -hmm. it. Like, it was this moment where I kind of questioned, like, is motherhood going to steal my ambition? Or like, is this going to be the end of my career? Am I going to become irrelevant? Because nothing matters more than this thing that I've prayed for for so long. And I was talking about this with with a mentor in my life. And he said to me, he said, oh, did you not realize that like you're a lifestyle entrepreneur? And I was like, what does that mean? I've never heard that word before. And he goes, you are not an achievement-based entrepreneur. Like there are going to be those people in your life who literally like they are on to the next thing. It's more, 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 more is better. You are not that and you should never be that. I hope you never become that. You do your work in a way that serves your life. And you just have this new invitation for a shift in your life to continue to do your work, but in a way that really pours into what it is that you want. And I had never heard that before. And so it really calmed me in a way of like, no, you're not broken for wanting to like go out and take over the world in the next 90 days. Mm -hmm. This is you and how you're wired. And so when you think about these ideas of blend and having it all and all of these things, there has to be this place where we come to recognize what is enough. When is Mm -hmm. enough enough? I remember, George, you sent me this voice memo and it was probably, oh gosh, maybe two years ago, a year and a half ago. And you said, am I crazy for wanting to like slow things down? And I said, oh my God, no, this is amazing. Like this is, <laughs> this is great news. Like this is amazing. And we, we had this conversation about this idea of enough because for a lot of us, specifically ambitious people who potentially have a side hustle or a dream of a business or they run a business, we go into it having to trade our time for money. And Mm -hmm. that's just the reality of it. That's usually what it takes to get an idea off the ground. But if we are lucky and if we're awake to it, we will hit a threshold where suddenly we are willing to trade money to get back our time. We recognize that our time is our lives. And so when I think about having it all, to me, it's like having time, time to live, time to breathe, time to choose, time to show up, time to sleep, time to rest, like all of those things. And so 
I just want to encourage people that like you can be ambitious, but have a life. You can want more, but define enough. And I think you and I have been on this journey together in doing all of those things. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I would totally agree. You know, it's, it's really interesting to me because when, when you and I have had conversations about this and I remember shortly before, it wasn't too long before I sent that message, Matt and I had had a conversation because we were talking about just goals and projects and dreams and things like that. And he pointed to a project that I was working on or that I was planning on doing. And he said, what's your goal for this? Like revenue wise. And I threw out some big random number and he was like, Oh, awesome. Why? (laughs) And I was like, what do you mean? Why? Like, I don't know. It sounds good. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And it was so challenging for me because it led to this. And he wasn't asking that from like a condescending way or a way that was saying, you know, it was just, he was genuinely curious. And I remember just feeling like, I don't really have a very clear answer for that. Did you see? My new book, Embrace Your Almost, is officially out in the world, and I can't believe it's available to you anywhere books are sold. You can grab it from Amazon or Target or Barnes & Noble or Books A Million. There's some special editions out there, too. Target has an exclusive edition. Barnes & Noble and Books A Million both have signed editions. And you can also get it at local independent bookstores. Anywhere books are sold, you should be able to find it. So if you are walking through a season of unmet expectations or disappointment or broken dreams or waiting or uncertainty, this book will bless your life. If you are not in one of those seasons, but you're just not entirely sure what's next for you, this book will bless your life. And if you have a loved one or a friend or a sister who's walking through a season like that, who's dealing with unmet expectations or broken dreams or uncertainty or waiting, this book will be such a great gift for her or something to pass on to her. So if that sounds like something you need or something a loved one in your life needs, grab a copy. Grab a copy from Amazon. Grab a copy from Barnes & Noble, from Target, from anywhere books are sold. I cannot wait to hear what you think. And I cannot wait to not only get this message in your hands, but also for you to pass on this message and share it because I believe it's more than a message. It's a movement. So as you listen, as you go about your day, I would love for you to put it in order, grab a copy and start reading as soon as it arrives at your door. And so we had this long conversation and basically as we dug into that, I realized, well, that's what I think I need to do because I want to hire an additional team member, get out of the weeds a little bit. Like there were a couple of things where I was like, I wanted to shrink my team in some ways and simplify it and do these different things. And so I felt like in order to do that, I was going to have to, you know, make that amount of money to do that. And he's like, well, let's figure out what you would actually, like what that role is, what you would actually need to pay them, what feels fair for you. like, And then we can kind of make goals based on that. And I remember just being like, oh, that's a good idea. So we did that. And basically we came to this realization of like, that would be great if we hit that goal. That's a great like option. But realistically, I only actually need to make about half of that to achieve the actual goal that I'm after. And so the significance of that for me, and I think it's really aligned with what you're saying, was that was a moment where I was like, sometimes we just set arbitrary goals because they sound good or because we saw someone else do them or because, I don't know, we need to outdo our last performance for whatever reason. And we never actually take the time to say, well, why that? Like, is that, is that more than I need? And if it is great, like if we make that much, it's a great cherry on top. There's nothing wrong with that. But am I going to drive myself into the ground trying to achieve this kind of arbitrary thing that I've just thought sounds good, you know? So that was like kind of a turning point for me where I just started to go, hmm, if I don't have a clear reason for why something should be a goal, I really need to be auditing that goal a little closer and looking at that a little bit more to get really clear on what's an aligned goal and what's an arbitrary goal. Have you ever had experiences like that? Would you say that's kind of similar to what you've seen? 
I I'm laughing because I literally just had one and um <laughs> and I was in LA doing interviews and I got dinner with two really close friends who are in the business space and one of them was telling me about this incredible like investment opportunity da, 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 like mm-hmm. all these things and one I was just really tired but two I said <laughs> I said to him I said I want you to know this all sounds really exciting and it's really, really cool, but my life isn't going to change because of this. This will not change the way that I move through life. This will not change the way that I spend my time or invest my money. Like, and I, and you know, it was one of those like wake up moments where I was like, oh, that sounds awesome. Mm -hmm. But again, yeah, like, is it aligned and like, is this actually going to change the way that I do things? No. Mm -hmm. And, I think too, something that I think is important to touch on is like, we're, we're talking about these ideas of balance and blend, but I think the third B that needs to accompany them is boundaries. And mm-hmm. this plays into what we're talking about because for me and kind of how you joked, like this is my first time on the podcast, even though you and I talk literally almost daily, <laughs> it was because I had made this boundary of like, when I was pregnant with Coco, I just said no to everything because I had waited so long for that experience and I was not going to miss it. And I also just didn't know how it would feel or how I would move through it. Mm-hmm. And so unconsciously for four years, I literally did a total of four interviews in four years. <laughs> but at the same point too, I had to create these boundaries that allowed me to not get shiny object syndrome or be apologetic about saying no because the yeses I were saying was the right yeses. They were the yeses that really allowed me to live out the things that I say were important to me. And I think that a lot of times right now in the world, women especially are waiting for somebody to give them their big break. It's like we're moving through life waiting for that invitation that will be the opportunity that changes everything for us. When in reality, we need to really understand and acknowledge that we've gotten ourselves this far. We can carry ourselves forward. And whatever your faith is or whatever that looks like for you, like God is going to open the right doors. Like you just have to walk through them. And so it's interesting to me because when I talk to people who are in this place of burnout or they're waiting for their breakthrough or they're in that almost season, they're saying yes to everything Mm -hmm. when in reality they probably should be saying no to everything and relying on boundaries to help them live out what they say is important to them. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think the biggest challenge is identifying what you actually value. And then the bigger challenge is now, how do I live according to that? Like, how do I live? Like I prioritize what I listed my priorities as, you know, (laughs) I think that's, that's definitely the challenge. But I think the more that you begin to do that and the more that you implement boundaries often on yourself, just on your own willingness to say yes and no. I mean, I remember a couple of years ago, I had that realization of like, I don't really like speaking. Not that I don't like the act of speaking. I like to be on stage. I like to interact with people. I don't like the getting there. I don't like the process. (laughs) So I put a lot more boundaries on just as we started to think about family and health and wellness and just the lifestyle we wanted to live. I said, it has to be a really worthy speaking opportunity. So now I do like two speaking opportunities, maybe three in a whole year. I was doing like every month, you know, before, if not more than that. And so just finding like, what are the activities that are moving the needle in the direction that are, that's important to me. And then I really want to go and what aren't and, and how do I maybe make some shifts to that? Are there some responsibilities in life that you may not be able to just be like, yeah, I'm not going to do dishes anymore because that's not aligned with what I like doing. 
No, but it's like, there's so much extra, I think. And there's so many, you know, I I really have come to believe like the right opportunities aren't going to pass you by. And if we live with this like scarcity mentality of like, I have to say yes to it because it may never happen again, or it's going to pass me by, or this is my big break, or this could be my big break. Like we're operating from a place of fear. We're operating from a place of there's never going to be enough, or, you know, I need to have more rather than from a place of like, what? what are the yeses that align with what I actually value? Because that's really going to be able to, that's going to be the the yeses that you give that move you in the direction that you really actually need to be going, not that you think you should be going. So I don't know. I just wanted to throw that in there too, because I think we can make a lot of decisions out of scarcity and not out of abundance. Yes. Amen. Couldn't agree more. Okay. I have one other thought that I want to touch on before we wrap yeah. up. So in your book, you share this story about starting watercolor painting and then going yes. on to sell them. And I want to hear about this because I don't think you've ever told me this story personally. <laughs> oh my gosh. But you say that the lesson here isn't to turn your watercolors into your work. It's to turn your work into watercolors. Can you dig into what that means and how we can really implement this and live this in our lives? Yes. Oh my gosh, George. Sometimes I'm like, oh, people are going to be looking for my print shop, which by the way, <laughs> still is on the internet. And so, oh my Lord. Okay. So- Speaking of things like burnout and having these arbitrary goals that don't feel good, but sound good. I was in my third year of wedding photography. I had scaled a business from zero to $100,000 a year business in three years flat. And I remember the day that I hit six figures. I stood in my shower and was waiting for the angels to start singing and (sighs) nothing happened. And I was like, where are those gold balloons that say 100K? Where is the party? I feel exhausted. Mm -hmm. And it was the first time in my adult life and especially my entrepreneurial life where I had that ping, that moment again of like, this doesn't feel right. Like this doesn't feel like I thought it should. And I'm really thankful that I didn't trick myself into thinking, well, maybe I just need to make more or do more. I really pulled back and said, when was I happy? When was the last time I felt alive and felt joy? And I had Drew come home the next day. He was stocking wine on shelves at grocery stores. We were living the dream in our (laughs) 20s. And I had this spreadsheet and I sat him down at the table. I said, I have something really important to tell you. I said, I... I don't want to do this anymore. I cannot do another year like this. And I said, I was happier when I made $50,000 a year and I had weekends and I wasn't missing time at my cabin or friends' weddings. Like I was happier. Like, can we go back to that? Like, can I just draw a line in the sand and say enough is enough and Mm -hmm. go back to the way things were? And it was so crazy because I thought he would push back on it. And he was like, he looked relieved. I mean, like if anything, it was like I was a shell of the person that he married because I was working so much. And so all of a sudden I found myself with more free time, but I had zero creativity. Like I had burned my creativity in the ground with my business. And so his mom was an elementary art teacher and she's also known for holding on to things. I'm not going to use the hoarder word, but um, she really likes to hold on to things, specifically art supplies. And she has this room in the basement that we always tease her about because it is just filled with the most random things. And we were at her house one Sunday and she took me down to the art room and I said, you know, I just need to like get my creative spark back. Like I need to just remember like how to be creative again, how to create with my hands and not on a screen. And so she pulled out all these paintbrushes and this watercolor palette and paper and she had all the perfect things and she sent me home with them that day. And I 
committed to myself. I said every day for just 20 minutes a day, I'm going to sit down and paint. I'm just going to, I don't know what I'm doing. I I'm not doing it for any other reason. I wasn't planning on sharing them, nothing. And so I just started painting. And uh, a few weeks later, I sat down with her. We were at a play. We were seeing the play Wicked. And I showed her a picture of one of my paintings. And she goes, oh my goodness, these are lovely. Like, have you, have you showed them to anyone? And I was like, no, I'm just really keeping this close to my heart. Like, I'm just doing it for myself to get out of this creative rut. And she's like, well, you should share this. This is your art. This is beautiful. And so I posted it and all these people were like, can I buy this? Where can I buy this? Can, are these for sale? And you and I have this knack of turning just about anything into a business, right? <laughs> That's why I got and, into gardening because I'm like, I know for sure yes, I'm not going to sell my carrots on the side I of the road. Mean, but really, you <laughs> might. Yeah. Like, let's do a spin on the I lemonade stand. I'm not here like carrots. just stealing seeds now. <laughs> And I, I realized like, oh, well, maybe this actually could be something. And here was what the lesson was, is that for so long, I had been in the business of trading time for money. This whole mm-hmm. notion of making money while you rest was not a reality in my life. And I found this website, I popped up scans of my prints and started selling them. And one month turned into two, turned into three, and suddenly we were paying our mortgage through this print shop. And I was enjoying it again. I think that biggest thing was that I invited joy into my life. But Mm. the lesson here is what we were kind of talking about earlier, where we need to invite play into our life. We need to invite opportunities to be creative, to have a hobby, to do something. And after a few years, it wasn't fun anymore. And I shut it down and I stopped talking about it. And it was never known as a failure or a failed part of the brand. It was just an extension of a season of my life. It it was a hobby that turned into something more that turned mostly for me into possibility, into this reality of you can create something once and make an impact that lasts. You can do something one time and reach many people. And it was really this gateway into the internet of being able to make a greater impact, to reach more people with the work I was doing and to do it in a way that allowed me to rest more. And so, yes, my watercolor print shop still exists. I never talk about it. And Wait, I need years. to know what it is. I need do to you want to know what the URL is? Yeah, I'm oh, like, no, I need to know. <laughs> she audience, you are in for a treat. It is <laughs> society6.com slash Jenna Kutcher. Oh my gosh, I'm so pumped. And it exists and it's there and it is as cheeky and Pinterest inspired as you could be back in 2013. <laughs> Wait, so can people still like buy these things? They certainly can. That is still hilarious available. and amazing. It is. That. And it's funny though, because I, you could print like all of your paintings onto all different things. There was like, I mean, shower curtains, mugs, and I still have my mugs. And every so often I will pull out one of those mugs and drink <laughs> coffee out of it. And remember just that season of life where less truly was more and less Mm. led me to more. And Mm. if I hadn't drawn that line in the sand and said, enough is enough, I'm cutting back, I would have never expanded into what you see today. And the watercolor Mm. was really just the entry point for recognizing this incredible World Wide Web that we operate on and how you can leave a lasting imprint and make an impact without overextending or missing your life. Hmm, so good. I love that what you just said about how less led to more. I can yes. so relate to that. And it's so in line with the lessons I've learned. And I think just to wrap up, I'd just be curious. Do you feel like your experiences with burnout, your experiences with loss, with the things that really kind of got you to this place of like, wait, 
you know, almost like a, a pause and, and, it, and it, sometimes are the things that kind of lay you on your back a little bit that like just force you to pause and take inventory of your life. Do you feel like it's been those moments that were the most pivotal and getting you to this place of the approach that you take to life and work now? Or do you think it was like, was it some of the positive moments too? Or do you think it's come through more of the hard stuff? I'd be curious what your perspective is on that. Oh, 100% the hard stuff. And there's this line in my book where I I love this notion because I think this is so pertinent no matter where you are in your life or what you're going through. And it's this idea of moving on, right? Like we believe that the world should be moving on. We believe that we should be moving on. We want it to go back to normal. And I think whenever you experience trauma or you go through a loss or you face your own almost or whatever that is in mm-hmm. your life, there's this deep desire to go back to just go back to before it happened. And there's this line in my book that says, we're not meant to move on from grief. We're meant to learn how to move with it. And we're meant to carry it with us on this journey, no matter how slow or hard it is, because your losses strengthen you. And Mm -hmm. as you carry them, if you don't come out a changed person, I feel like you missed it. Mm-hmm. And the line in my book talks about how as you start to move forward, your grief just sits in the passenger seat of your life and says, wow, look at this view. We made it here. And I think that when I look at my own journey and the mishaps and mistakes, the falling down, the losses, mm-hmm. I think that it helps me to be awake to the beauty of the life that I'm living today. It helps me to not miss it. Helps Mm -hmm. me to say like, look at the view here was worth it. It was worth strengthening my muscles step-by-step in carrying these hard things and learning how to move with them and not move on from them. Yeah. And not move in spite of them either. Yes. Yes. And I just think that there's so many people out there right now wanting to just go back And I think that we have to go forward Mm. and learn how to use the strength that we've gained through being resilient, through adapting, through pivoting, through loss, Mm -hmm. and have that be the strength that carries us forward so that we can get to that top of the mountain and really, really relish in the view because we know how hard earned it was. Mm. So powerful. It's so true. I even think about this, and this is a random story, but I don't know if I ever told you this story, but we were going to Montana. It was actually shortly after our second loss just to get away. And we drove like halfway there and we got somewhere in Minnesota. And then I felt like we needed to to turn around. (laughs) and I didn't know why. And I felt so bad to even tell my husband who had just driven so many hours to turn around. But I just had this gut feeling that we needed to go back. So we ended up turning around halfway through our journey. And ended up being the best thing. I had complications and it was good that we were at home. But several months later, we did end up making it to Montana. And it was interesting because I remember when we were there, I just like savored it so much more because it was kind of complicated to get there. It was kind of hard yes. to get there. And it just reminded me of what you were saying. It just brought up that, you know, I think we all have like our Montanas, our desired destinations. And sometimes to actually get to those places, we have to carry grief with us. We have to get rerouted. We have to go back to the starting line and release and let go of things that we really wanted, you know, that we really wanted to carry with us. And we end up carrying grief instead. But like you said, when you get there, you relish in it and the grief isn't gone. It's there. It's just not the only thing that's there. And I just love the way that you said that. 
Okay. Last question as we wrap up. I know I said the last one was the last one, but I actually do want to ask this because I want to give some practicals. I'd love if you can just wrap us up with what are your tips? And maybe you write about this a little bit in How Are You Really as well. But what other tips would you give to someone who wants to create a life that makes room for really living the life they want to be leading? Do you have any like practical steps that you would suggest somebody start with or tips that you would give them if they're just feeling like this all sounds great, but like you don't know my life and it's chaotic and I don't even know where to to begin with that? Yes. So I believe that right now, especially in the culture that we're in as women, we are feeling like we are forced into one of two camps and it's very polarizing and it's really hard for us to feel like we can exist somewhere outside of them. So the first camp is hustle culture. It's the wake up earlier, do more, never stop, keep going, grinding. And the other camp is the manifest, you know, Mm -hmm. hold this vision for your life and say it out loud 10 times and it'll come true. And I think both of those are interesting places and can really work for certain people, but I believe that real action and change happens in the middle. It's Mm -hmm. like where the woo meets the work. It's holding these visions for your life of what you want your life to be, but also being willing to take these micro tiny steps towards them. And so if the vision that you hold for your life is really far away from the life that you're living today, I want for you to think of what tiny, like microscopically small action you can take today that you are in control of that will move you towards it. It's the boot camp idea that Jordan talks about in Embrace Your Almost of using this waiting time, of using this season of transition to be working towards the life that you want. And so what I encourage you to do is to really think about, okay, what things are in your control and how can you take a tiny action? And what I think needs to happen is that so often we, as ambitious human beings, bite off more than we can chew. And the moment that we lose our grip or we fall flat, we blame ourselves and we just spin in a cycle of shame. And Mm -hmm. so if we can keep these actions so tiny, so small, as we do them, as we live them out, we will build up this confidence and this self-belief that we can move towards this life and our vision, that we can start to really understand and honor this, this vision of us living fully. And we can move in that way. And so it really comes down to confidence. And that confidence is built through tiny little actions. And most of the time, unfortunately, they're the types of actions that no one will see, mm-hmm. no one will applaud, and they're not Instagram worthy. They're the ones that are happening behind the scenes, just like a tree grows its roots underground and you mm-hmm. can't watch it and you wouldn't want to. That is where your strength will be found. Mm. So good. So powerful. And I love just the, the practicality of moving yourself 1% closer to where you want to go one step at a time because action really does breed confidence. And I think it gives us even more clarity. Like if you take one little action step, you're going to get clarity on what the next right little action step is, whether that's setting a boundary or putting your phone away at night or, you know, looking for other opportunities, but just like one small step at a time. So I love, love, love that. Okay. Please tell us, because I know everyone's going to want to read this book now. Tell us where everyone can find you, first of all. And second of all, where can we get the book? How are you really? Uh, yes. Okay. You can find me everywhere online. Jenna Kutcher, spelt like Ashton, unrelated, unfortunately. <laughs> and the book, How Are You Really? is everywhere books are sold. You can also go to howareyoureallybook.com. We have links to all the different places. We have some fun little bonuses if you order the book. And um, it really is just this book all about coming home to yourself, 
really listening and honoring that little whisper inside of you and uncovering your truth one answer at a time. And I cannot wait for you to get your hands on it. So thank you, Uh, Jordan, for letting uh, me share all of this. So happy that you did. Thank you for being here. It's such a gift. I'd love to hear from you. It makes me so happy to see you tuning into this show. So if you're on Instagram, let me know what your favorite part of the show was by taking a screenshot of the episode you've tuned into and share it on your story. Tag me at Jordan Lee Dooley and tell me what your favorite quote or takeaway from today's show was so that I can see what's helping you and even feature what you share. This keeps me inspired and encouraged to keep creating new content and it's a great way to share something that your friends might love too. I can't wait to see you in Instagram world, my friend. Thanks for tuning in. To learn more about the She Podcast or to get involved in Jordan's growing community, visit jordanleedooley.com. Thanks for joining in today. Until next time, remain committed to intentional choices that refine your heart, faith, health, and work because your story is much too important to settle for anything less. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.